0: The scripture this snowy spring morning is from Acts chapter 4, verse 32 through 35 in the Common English Bible. It's in your bulletin. The community of believers was one in heart and mind. None of them would say, this is mine, about any of their possessions, but held everything in common, The apostles continued to bear powerful witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and an abundance of grace was at work among them all. There were no needy persons among them. Those who owned properties or houses would sell them, bring the proceeds from the sales, and place them in the care and under the authority of the apostles. Then it was distributed to anyone who was in need. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Marissa. So, on our post, uh, I'm going to struggle with this headset all morning long. I'm telling you right now. Here we go. There we go. So this morning, our um, Easter series, post-Easter series, as I said, is a, a new series. Titled, You Shall Be My Witnesses. And today we're going to talk about what that means. If you think about the apostles and the disciples, they were the eyewitnesses to the resurrected Jesus. Jesus said to them, You shall now be my witnesses in the world. This was supposed to influence who they would become as a community of followers especially followers of the way of Jesus, it impacted how they distinguished for themselves what it meant to follow Jesus instead of following their dominant culture, and it would impart for them a new model, a new model on how they dealt with one another as followers of Christ. And so today we're going to begin with that principle, thinking about what it means to be disciples who are witnesses to the power of care, the power of care for one another. Because I think of it this way. Jesus instructed the apostles to lead the other disciples. To teach them what it meant to obey all that Jesus had commanded them. And, and one of the things that Jesus left them was instructions on dealing with one another and dealing with others as well. To care for one another. And so let's think about what that means for us today as modern witnesses. What does it mean for us to care for one another and care for those beyond us as well? So in 2006, Kevin Durant was a freshman at the University of Texas. How many of you know who Kevin Durant is, right? So a good number of you. For those of you that don't know, Kevin Durant was a freshman that year. He was a freshman basketball player for the University of Texas. And and Kevin Durant was kind of an anomaly. He actually dominated the Big 12. He was a big man. He was tall, tall. But he was lanky, he could handle the ball well, he could dribble like a point guard, he could shoot like a point guard. He could shoot a three-pointer from almost anywhere on the court, it seemed like. He was that good of a basketball player. He was so good that he just simply decided that his freshman year in college was enough for him, and so he entered the NBA draft. And in 2007, he became the second overall pick for... Come on, Michael, sports guy... Seattle Supersonics, right? Second overall pick for the Seattle Supersonics. Sorry to put you on the spot there, but I'll come back around to you in a moment, though. Because Seattle moved from where? Seattle to Oklahoma City. Became the Oklahoma City Thunder in 2008, a year later. Kevin Durant, or KD as he is nicknamed, played for the Oklahoma City Thunder for eight years. And then in 2016, he announced that he would not re-sign with the Thunder. Instead, he decided that he wanted to go play with the Golden State Warriors. And so he signed with the Golden State Warriors. Now, imagine what happens in a city that's losing their star basketball player, Right? The city fans all got up in an uproar. How can Kevin Durant do this to us? How can he leave us, right? How many of you are aware of what was transpiring in Oklahoma City this week with their teachers? The number of teachers who descended upon the Capitol in Oklahoma City, teachers, students, concerned parents, clergy members, leaders of the community, all went down to the Capitol building to ask their elected representatives to listen to their voice and to pay attention, to care enough to do something on behalf of the teachers in Oklahoma. See, I wasn't aware that the teachers' compensation in Oklahoma ranks 48. In the United States, 48. right? But then I was looking on Facebook this week. I saw from the teachers rally a sign, and the sign simply said this. I wish you all cared as much about teachers leaving as you did Kevin Durant. See, I believe that we humans are ones who have the capacity and the power to care. To care about a variety of different things in our lives. It's simply a matter of what we choose to value and not value. How we make priorities about things like people and places and items that we have. We all pick and choose what we care about and do not care about. Especially those that are around us. We all know that the Guinness Book of World Records tracks some pretty unusual kinds of records, right? One of them is the longest time living in a tree, believe it or not, right? They actually track this, right? The record is held by a man named Bunkus who climbed up in a tree in Binkas, Indonesia, and I did not name the, make those names up, by the way. All right, this is in the Guinness Book of World Records. He went up this tree in 1970, and he has lived there ever since. Evidently, he took limbs and leaves, and he made himself his own nest up in this tree and has lived up there ever since. For decades, people have tried to get him to come down, and and he won't. And no one has really ever found out the reason for his behavior, why he has sought isolation from the rest of the world. How many of us periodically would like to go join Bunkus (laughs) up a tree in Binkus, Indonesia, right? Yeah. Climb a tree, escape from it all. But in contrast, I, I think we also know that we humans were actually created to live in contact with other humans. We were created... To live in community, not isolation from one another. You might recall the movie Castaway with Tom Hanks, right? You think about that. He was on a FedEx plane and he found himself being the sole survivor of a plane crash. He's on an island with all these FedEx boxes. And who becomes his companion? Wilson. A volleyball becomes his companion, right? Right? Because humans are not meant to live in isolation. God created us to be social creatures. In Genesis, God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I shall create for him a companion, a helpmate, right? So we, friends, we are all created to be in community with others and to be in relationship and to be in a community that cares deeply about one another. I think this was taken seriously by the First Church of Jesus Christ in Jerusalem. I named it that. It's not what it's actually called, but I named it that for fun, right? First Church of Jesus Christ in Jerusalem. They might have been Methodist because they had a certain way of living together, right? But they were a group of people dedicated to the teaching and the authority of the apostles, especially Peter and John. They were a people that prayed together. So if you read Acts 4, 24-30, it talks about their prayer life as a community of people. They were a group that were filled with the Holy Spirit, and that gave them confidence to speak God's word of love, grace, and forgiveness, according to verse 31. And they were a group that was of one heart and one mind, as we read in verse 32. They dedicated themselves to live in a cloistered community together. They gave everything and held everything in common, keeping nothing as their own personal possessions. That's a pastor's dream. If you think about it, right? Everyone living together in community, pooling all of their possessions and income into a community of faith, to live in unity with one another, and equality with one another. You think about it, the church would never be poor. We wouldn't have to worry about how to fund any of our building maintenance, our improvements, salaries, ministries, hospitality, staff, any of those things. We wouldn't have to fund worry about any of it, right? And how idyllic as well, because we'd never have to have another capital campaign or stewardship drive. Amen? Steve Doyle. Yeah, well, guess what? It's a pastor's nightmare too, Steve, right? Because that means Margaret and I would have to sell everything we have as well to join you all. And I think we like living close to each other, but I don't think we want to live that close to each other. Amen? But the First Church of Jesus Christ in Jerusalem, though, they thought this was a good way to live together. They lived together so that no one was of need. They had a common heart and goal to make sure that no one was of need, to care for one another. Believe it or not, there are folks who live like this today. I, I remember during my seminary education, I had to go do an immersion experience. And the immersion experience, the goal of it is for you to go experience a different kind of spiritual path and and way of living than what you, is your own and, something that's just unique. And so I chose to go to Mount St. Scholastica, which is in Atchison, Kansas. It's the home of the sisters who make up the Order of St. Benedict. And you think about a group of women who have given up all their individual possessions for the most part, and they hold all things in common. They have committed themselves to live together from the moment they are a novice until the time that they die. They worship together morning, noon. And evening. They dine together, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They sleep under one roof. They work together. They have their own care facility for those who are the aging and dying among them. And they have their own cemetery there on the grounds where their deceased sisters now rest. It's a group of women who are of one heart and mind. They have no silos, no fiefdoms, no turf wars because they hold all things in common to care deeply for one another. And while wow, I could only make it with them for a week to think about the difference of their lives. You think about the value of these two stories. It isn't the organizational structures of the first church. It isn't the way in which the Benedictines live together. The value on display is the power of care for one another. The power for power for us to care deeply for one another even though we don't live in this kind of way. If you read some of the results from our appreciative inquiry, one of the things that you will find is is that one of our greatest values is our care for one another. And one of our greatest virtues here at St. John's is the way in which we care for one another. And one of our growing opportunities is for us all to accept that we could be cared for and for all of us to participate in the care for one another. We are all called to share in this ministry of care for each other and the world and to find our way in it through the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can all participate in it. To care for one another. There's a story about a a church that was having a staff meeting that the team of leadership was gathering together to talk about the business of the church. And they got into this conversation about how to care and the things that they do around the church. And one of the staff members was the associate pastor. His name was Sam. And Sam said something rather odd to his cohorts, to his colleagues. He said, my way of showing that I care is I like to clean bathrooms, to which they all thought that was a little odd. I would say yes as well, right? But he says it comes from just the life of being a pastor. Everything is so open-ended sometimes that it's nice to have at least one thing that has a very specific beginning and a very specific end to it, right? To go clean the bathroom. The senior pastor kind of sat there, scratched his head for a moment, and he said, In 36 years of pastoral ministry, I have never had a desire to clean a bathroom. All right. He says, straighten the books up on my shelves periodically and organize those. Yes, clean a bathroom. Absolutely not. So one Sunday morning, the pastor is up and he's preaching. And he's preaching on care. And he decides to share this story with the congregation. And he tells them that if Sam ever makes a pastoral visit to your home and you want to let him know how much he is valued, <laughs> hand him a mockman bucket and show him your bathroom. So, dear friends, I can show my ways in which I, I care for you an awful lot. Cleaning your bathroom will not be one of those. <laughs> but let me also say this. There's another lesson I think we have to keep in mind and continue to live in as well. We have to be reminded that care is not simply the, the task of one or two people around the church or a small little group of folks. It's all of us as ministry to care for one another it's an example of our unity in the body of Christ. It's an example of the power of the Holy Spirit that's living among us and in every single one of us and it's the example of our values and our virtues and how we care for one another. And we do. Let me acknowledge that today we care for one another in great ways. We have families here at the church right now who are under the power of of your care, through meal trains, through ride sharing, folks that are receiving cards and sending prayer shawls and quilts to others. It happens in our moments of our daily prayer. It happens in the times of our community prayer. We have great examples today of how we are doing our best to care deeply for one another. And I want to encourage us to continue to live in the power of that. But to also be reminded that it's not just about care for ourselves. It's care for those around us in our neighborhoods and the world beyond. To make sure that we don't simply turn our face towards one another and act like we live in isolation as a church and that our care is solely for ourselves. We need to join hands as we also face out into the world and learn to extend a hand to those that are in need. To care for those beyond our circle. I'm often reminded when I read the Gospels that Jesus was one who understood this. He certainly could have focused in on the very needy of his own society and Jewish culture that day, in those days. But Jesus didn't. Instead, he also included care for those who were on the outside. The Gentiles who were outside of his community, both ethnically and religiously. The poor and the powerful, the connected and the chained, the sinners and the afflicted. Jesus ate and dined and healed with them and suffered with them because he cared. He cared deeply. And that's the same for us at the church here on Ward Parkway. We need to be people who eyewitness to Christ, to the world around us, to share the care that Christ has shared with us. And so, to be reminded simply that Jesus instructed the apostles to lead the other disciples, to teach them what it means to obey In all things. And particularly that aspect of care. For each other. For that to be our ministry. Among us as well. I read somewhere this statement. They said there is nothing you can do. To affect the fact that you will one day die. But you do have the power. To affect how you live. I hope we all choose. To exercise our power. The power in the Holy Spirit. To care for one another and to care deeply for those that are beyond us. And so let's all be reminded that we humans have the power and the capacity to care deeply. To care deeply about things that are in our lives, people that are in our lives. It's a matter of how we prioritize them. Jesus commanded his followers to be witnesses and one of the ways in which they witnessed of who Jesus was was through the power of their care for one another and the world beyond. And that call continues today for all of us present and beyond to be reminded that the ministry of care is for us to extend to one another and to extend to those beyond our community of faith. So here's some questions I want you to wrestle with today. In your time of prayer and in the invitation, think about these. What do you care about? When do you begin to care enough that it provokes you to action. How much do you care? Especially for those who are your church family. Who do you care about that's not part of your church? And what will you do tomorrow and Tuesday and this week to be a living eyewitness of Christ by providing care to someone that you know? Would you bow with me for a moment of silence and our closing prayer? In this moment of silence and meditation, we have pondered what it means to care and care deeply. O God, we ask that you search our hearts, and if there is any element of selfishness in it, reveal it to us this day. Help us to yield to your powerful spirit that makes us one with you and one with each other. Forge us together in the power of your love so that we might value each other's care and the call to care for each other. Grant us clear vision that helps us see the needy of this world. Deepen our compassion so that we might respond with generous acts of care. Help us to live into your example. For you cared enough for each of us to give your only begotten Son so that we might have abundant life. Teach us to give our abundance away as an act of generous love and care for others here at St. John's and beyond. Teach us to be your witnesses through our power of care.